Good morning, church. For those of you who are visiting with us for the first time, my name is Jeff Brookshire, and I am not the senior pastor. I am one of the teaching elders here at Crossroads. And we are smack dab in the middle of a series that we've called The Gifted. Now, normally when you call somebody gifted, what you mean is, is that you believe that they have been set apart from others with their abilities, that they stand head and shoulders above the rest. So when I think about the whole history of music, one of the people that I think of that was incredibly gifted was Mozart. Mozart created these complex yet beautifully crafted pieces of music that have stood the test of time. Or when I think of the whole history of art, I think of Claude Monet, who was known for painting many different projects, but especially for painting water lilies. And they're absolutely stunning to see in person. Or when I think of poetry today, I think of Maya Angelou. I think of how she is so gifted in putting words together to explain what it is that she's trying to communicate. Or when I think of speakers, I think of Reverend Billy Graham, right? He was an incredible speaker, incredible evangelist and preacher who brought many, many, many to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the throne of Christ that they would receive him as their Savior and Lord. When you talk about people who are gifted, what you mean is, is that you believe these people have been set apart from others with special abilities that they stand head and shoulders above the rest. And that's exactly what we mean when we say that you, Christ follower, are gifted. Because when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, when you stepped over the line of faith, when you confessed your sins to Jesus and trusted him to forgive you completely of all of your sins, when you were made completely right with God, and then you promise to follow Jesus as your Lord. At that moment, the Bible strongly teaches that the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit of God, Christ follower, living in you. And the Bible strongly teaches that when he came to live inside of you, he gave you at least one spiritual gift. Now that's what we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. We've been going through the different spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible. Uh, last week, Pastor Rod went through the speaking gifts of prophet, an evangelist, teacher, and encourager. This week, I'm going to talk about the serving gifts, and I'm pumped about doing it because there's some incredible characteristics of the serving gifts that they have that can be applied to us as well. So the first characteristic is those with the serving gifts focus more on others than themselves. Focus more on others than themselves. Have, have you ever thought about how there are some people in your life that are more about getting from life than giving to life? It's all about them it's never about anybody else. They just want to get, get, get. It's all about me, me, me. It's a consumer mentality, and quite frankly, I have it sometimes. When I go into Chick-fil-A to get my Chick-fil-A sandwich without pickle, I go in expecting to be served. 
I don't go in thinking, who can I serve in Chick-fil-A today? No, I want to be served. And when I'm served my Chick-fil-A sandwich without pickle, I want to hear that it was a pleasure serving me. When I go to Kroger, I don't go in Kroger thinking, I wonder who I can serve in Kroger today. No, I just want to get in and get out. If I can't find something that, that I need, I ask one of the employees, if you could find them, ask one of the employees, and they hopefully take me exactly to where that is. I go to the front, and if there's a big line in front of all the cashiers, I expect them to open up other lines so that I can get in and out as fast as I can. I want to be served. It's the consumer mentality. It's the me, me, me mentality. And those with the serving gifts, what they do is, is they take that consumer mentality and they flip it on its head. Because they are more focused on others than they are themselves. A good example of this is those with a gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality, those who have it, have this incredible passion to create an environment. They want to create an environment where you feel welcomed and valued, where you feel cared for. So some of them will provide food, some provide fellowship, sometimes they provide shelter, but all it's about is, is the environment. Now, if you've never seen the hospitality gift, what I suggest you do some Sunday morning is come 10 minutes early. Now, I know you like to come in five minutes late and run down the hallway. I've seen you. <laughs> but come 10 minutes early and go down to the crossroads of crossroads. The crossroads of crossroads is right inside the front door. You can go straight and have your kids registered. You can turn right and go to the crossroads cafe and get some coffee. You could turn left and come down here to the auditorium or to some of the kids' rooms or to the all-important facilities, right? It's the crossroads of crossroads. I want you to go down there 10 minutes early before the service and stand next to the pathways table that's down there. Stand up against the wall and just watch. And you'll see people with the gift of hospitality. They love to create this environment where people feel welcomed, that we're glad that you're here. They're not doing it because they have to do it, that they're supposed to say, good morning, how are you? They really mean it. They want you to feel, as soon as you step in, this, in these doors, that you are welcome, that you are wanted here, that you are valued and cared for. And they especially do this with our visitors and guests because they haven't forgotten what it was like to be a visitor or a guest in a church. Do you remember? Do you remember the first time? You come and you don't know anything about what's going to happen. You walk in the doors and you wonder, are the people going to like me and am I going to like the people? <laughs> am I going to be welcome? You come down here and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to like the music or not. You don't know if you're going to like the preacher or not. You don't know if they're going to do something strange like bring out a box of snakes in Jesus' name. Right? You don't know. You simply don't know what's going to happen. And so there's this sense of angst or anxiety or maybe even fear 
when you come in. Those with a gift of hospitality down the hallway, what they do is to say, we want you to feel welcomed as soon as you come in. We want you to know that we are regular kind of people. Not perfect people, regular kind of people who are just seeking to know God. They want you to know that we're glad that you're here. That's the gift of hospitality. Now, some people are introverted and have the gift of hospitality, and they're not excited about being down there. They don't enjoy going up to people they've never spoken to before and interacting with them. But they are awesome when it comes to events or meetings or meals here at the church, and they set up the atmosphere so that fellowship, so that relationship can take place. It's the spiritual gift of hospitality. I've even known people with the spiritual gift of hospitality to invite people out to eat after church so they can get to know them, invite them into their homes, or even invite them to come and live with them for a short amount of time because they don't have a home to live in. That's the spiritual gift of hospitality. They're focused more on serving others than they are about serving themselves. This is also true of the gift of mercy. I love the gift of mercy. Just absolutely love people who have it. The best definition that I've ever heard of it is it's compassion moved to action. It's not just being compassionate for somebody. It's compassion that moves to action. As soon as it moves to action, bam, that's when it's mercy. And I've seen people with mercy just be like the first responders on 9-11 you know, where they were running towards the towers while everybody else was running away? They run towards the hurting. <laughs> if somebody's hurting, maybe some other people are like going, uh, I'm going to stay away from that for a while because I don't know what to say or do or, or whatever. But they run towards those who are hurting. And the thing about it is, is that when they do that, they don't get in front of the hurting and start pulling them and saying, you need to come here, you need to do this, you need to do that. No. Nor do they get behind them and start pushing them and saying, you need to hurry up this hurting process. It's making everybody feel uncomfortable. They don't get behind them and push them. No, they come alongside of them. And they say, in effect, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know where this journey is going to take us. But I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk this journey with you as you go through the valley of the shadow of darkness. I've seen people who uh, have the gift of mercy get into some pretty difficult situations. When I was in seminary, living in Durham, North Carolina, for a year, I was uh, the student pastor at the Urban Ministry Center in downtown Durham, North Carolina. The Urban Ministry Center has um, a place where they made food, hot meals for people twice a day. They had uh, a food bank for the weekends. They had a clothing closet. They had some social work offices. They had a Meals on Wheels. And then they had a homeless shelter at night in that, in that place. And I watched people come in who had the spiritual gift of mercy volunteer to come into this this rough atmosphere, and they're not, not everyone who was there was rough, but there were some pretty rough characters that were there. And they would come in, and they would just mercy on everyone. In fact, one particular time that I've never forgotten was a guy who came in. He sat down at the table, 
he vomited his alcoholic vomit on the table and passed out in it. A person with the gift of mercy cleaned up that table, cleaned him up, got him a shower, got him some new clothes, and just mercyed on him. Some with the gift of mercy even join causes that will make changes in society for the broken, the disadvantaged, and the forgotten. That's the gift of mercy. They are more focused on others than they are themselves. The second characteristic is they love to serve others more than seeking to be served by others. Did you change that? Didn't it say motor just a second ago? That is awesome. I'm impressed. They love to serve others more than seeking to be served by others. And uh, one of the gifts that uh, this comes out in the most is the gift of um, leadership. Jesus said that this was incredibly important that every leader in the church serve. There was no exceptions. He said this, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call them benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. In other words, Jesus is making it very clear that the leadership in the church were not to be kings and queens, princes and princesses who are supposed to have every whim and idea and want in their life be fulfilled by the church members. That's not what Jesus wanted in the church for the church leaders. He wanted them to serve, to serve others, to be the biggest. Now, does that mean that we don't need them to lead? Of course not. We need them to lead. We need them to cast God's vision in the church. We need that. We need them to set the goals and the objectives and inspire us with those God-inspired goals and objectives and to motivate us to go in the right direction. We need leaders because sometimes, and I know this is true for me, sometimes I get tunnel vision and then I get nearsighted. And so all I see is what's in this little box in front of me. And I need leaders who open up my vision and help me to see the big picture of what God is doing in the world. We need leaders. Now, what I encourage you to do, if you want to see a servant leader, is to watch Pastor Rod. We are very fortunate to have a leader in our church who believes in serving. Now, if you haven't seen it, what I encourage you to do is to stay five minutes late some Sunday morning. I know, I know, you want to get out of here as fast as you can so you can beat the Methodists to the restaurants, but just stay five minutes late, right? And stalk Pastor Rod. Stalk him. Now, don't listen to what he's saying to people because, quite frankly, it may be confidential. But just watch him from a distance and watch his mannerisms. Watch his facial expressions. Watch how he interacts with not just adults, but with teens 
and kids, that he's there to serve others, not so much seeking to be served himself. It's an amazing, amazing thing to do when you are a leader to lead with the attitude of servanthood. The third characteristic. The third characteristic is that they seek God's will to guide them in what to do or not to do. Sometimes, those with the serving gifts will get overwhelmed. They have a hard time with boundaries. What happens is, is that they see a need that needs to be filled, and they feel like they're the one that has to fill it. Or they see a ministry where God is working, and they feel like it's their responsibility to get involved in that ministry just because God is working in it. They get overwhelmed and sometimes burned out. I know. I was there. As a young pastor, that was what I was doing. I was getting, I saw a need, oh my goodness, it was Jeff's responsibility to fulfill that need. Or if I saw a ministry where God was working, oh my goodness, God must be calling me to join that ministry. You know what happened? My family suffered, my marriage suffered, my ministry suffered, I suffered from burnout. And the only reason I am here today using this gift And the only reason that I'm still with my wife, Jill, is because I had a good friend speak some pretty harsh words into me. He was saying to me, Jeff, this is what's happening. These are all good things that all, you know, if you see a need, it's a good thing to want to fill it because it needs to be filled by someone. And these ministries are good. They're doing good things and people need to gravitate towards that but you need to only gravitate towards those that God is calling you to. Only do, say yes to what God's will is for you and say no to everything else. That has been so freeing for me. People who understand that are the people who have the gift of giving. People who have the gift of giving recognize that there are a lot of causes out there that they can give to. But they are called not to be owners of their money. They're not called to be owners of their possessions. They recognize that God is the owner of their money. God is the owner of their possessions, that they are only called to be managers. And their responsibility is to continue to seek God's will to determine where they should utilize God's resources. So I've seen the people with the gift of giving give extraordinarily amounts of money sacrificially to causes for the kingdom of God. Now you say, well, that must be just the rich who have the spiritual gift of giving. No. I've seen people who were economically challenged have the spiritual gift of giving, giving the the shirt off their own back. And you think, you need that. You need it. No, they've got the gift of giving and they give it to somebody else. The spiritual gift of giving recognizes that you have to seek God's will to determine where those resources need to go. That's what the serving gifts do. They seek God's will first and then follow him and where they are to serve. The next characteristic is they derive their value 
from him, not them. Him, not them. I've seen some people with the serving gifts have not a low self-esteem, but a low spiritual gift esteem. And this is what I mean. Too many times, people will organize the spiritual gifts in a hierarchy. That this gift is more important than this gift, is more important than this gift, and so forth and so forth down the line. And so they then look at this, this hierarchy that they've set up, this lie that they've set up, and they decide that their spiritual gift isn't all that important in the kingdom of God. It's a lie. Because the truth of the matter is, is that every single spiritual gift is important to the body of Christ, to the work of the God in the world, to the kingdom of God in the world. Every spiritual gift. The two areas where I've seen people have um, the most low spiritual gift esteem are in the gifts of helps and service. That's where I've seen it the most. Helps and service are very similar in that they like to um, accomplish practical, tangible, necessary tasks. That's what they like to do. Those with the gift of helps come alongside of leaders or come alongside of a person and say, I'm going to help you with the practical, tangible, necessary task to accomplish what you're doing. So like they may come alongside um, our new children's pastor, Abby, and say, Abby, we want you to focus on the big vision of how to bring children closer to Christ. And I want to just come alongside of you and help you do what you've got to do by taking away some of the practical, tangible, necessary tasks that need to be done. I'm going to do that for you so that you don't have to focus on that and you can focus on the big vision. That's what people with helps do. Service, service comes along ministries and does the same thing. Like the clothing closet that meets here on Saturdays, the second Saturday, first Saturday of um, every month. They come alongside and they might say, you know what, I'll help you sort clothes or I'll help you hang the clothes up or I'll help you wheel the clothes out of storage down to the place where they're displayed. Whatever it is, so that you can do what you've got to do in that ministry to care for the people who come in and receive those clothes and the love and care that we also provide alongside of them. That's the two differences. But sometimes people with helps and, helps and service gifts will have a low spiritual gift esteem because they're anonymous most times. They're not around where people can see them. They don't get a lot of well-dones or attaboys. But they are incredibly important. I mean, imagine this. Imagine what it'd be like if we didn't have these screens. There's somebody behind the scenes with the gift of service that are putting these screens together. Think about what it would be like trying to worship during the worship time without words. I, for one, recognize that I would be lost 
through most of the Psalms and would have difficulty worshiping God. Or think about it when we have communion together. Who is it that bakes the bread, that cuts it into its tiny pieces? Who is it that takes the time to get that grape juice into those tiny little cups? <laughs> so that we can experience the beauty of communing with our Lord Jesus and one another. Who is it, when you think about the Crossroads Cafe, who is it that goes to Kroger and gets the coffee, gets the 50 different creamers that we have to please every taste? <laughs> who is it that gets the water? Who goes to Dairy Queen because they graciously offer us ice because we don't have an ice machine and gets the ice? Who does all of that? They're working behind the scenes, and they derive their value from him because they may not get a lot of pats on the backs and well done, but they know that if God sees them, and he does, that's all that's needed is that God has seen them, and that is enough. They derive their value from him, not them. And then fifthly, those with the serving gifts serve out of servanthood, serve out of a heart of servanthood. I've seen this uh, happen many times with those who have the spiritual gift of pastor slash shepherd. Now, when I say pastor shepherd, it doesn't mean that it's like, well, Pastor Rod's the only one who has that, or the pastors of the church are the only ones has that. What it means is anybody who has a vision and a passion for a group of people in moving them towards Jesus. That's, that's what the pastor-shepherd gift is. It's a group of people. So our, our small groups leaders have that pastor-shepherd gift, right? Because they're trying to move a group of people closer to Jesus. Or I've heard a lot of great things out of the student ministry. I've heard a lot of great things out of there, stories of how youth are being moved towards Jesus, moved towards him so that they can have a relationship with him that is life-changing. They serve at a spirit of servanthood. They don't serve because they're going to get a pat on the back. They don't serve because they have to. They don't serve because um, if they didn't, what would other people think? They don't serve to do the minimum to get by. They serve because they're serving him, not anyone else. So, to recap, those who serve have the serving gifts, focus more on others than themselves, love to serve others, seek God's will, derive their value from God, and serve out of a heart of servanthood. Now listen to me. Everybody listen. Some of you may be thinking, thank God I don't have the serving gifts that way I don't have to serve anyone. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to, any of the giving gifts because I don't have to give. Thank God I don't have the gift of hospitality so I don't have to be hospitable to anyone. Thank God I don't have the gift of mercy. Now I don't have to be merciful to anyone. I don't let them have it. Right? The scriptures teach very strongly that even if you don't have any of the serving gifts that I've mentioned today, 
that you as a Christ follower are still to serve. Those with the serving gifts are the rock stars of serving. We are called to serve nevertheless. Listen to these scriptures. It says, serve one another humbly in love. That's not talking just to those with serving gifts. It's saying, serve one another humbly in love. And then next, practice hospitality. It's not saying that just those with hospitality are supposed to practice hospitality, that they are to practice hospitality. It says share with the Lord's people who are in need. It's not saying just the people who have the gift of giving are to share. It is to every Christ follower. It's to share with the Lord's people who are in need. And then it also says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That one of the marks of being a Christ follower is being merciful to others. Those are just a few passages that are called, are calling us to serve. Now, why are we called to serve? Because Christ Jesus served us first. The scripture says this, for even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even though Jesus had every, every right to demand that he be served when he came to this planet because he is God, he did not come to be served, he came to serve. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Christmas, and we celebrated the fact that Jesus left his throne in the perfection and holiness of heaven and came to the imperfection and sinfulness of earth to rescue us. In a few weeks, we are, or a few months, we're going to celebrate that Jesus went to the cross. Not because he had committed a crime, not because he sinned, but Jesus went to the cross sinless so that he could take your punishment and my punishment upon himself. That he could take your sin and my sin upon himself. That he could take our place so that we could be completely forgiven and have a fresh start with God. That is the greatest act of serving the world has ever seen. The cross of Jesus Christ. So friends, what I say to you today is this in closing. If you are a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and you have at least one spiritual gift. I call you today to use that spiritual gift, to use it and experience the joy of serving God. And for those of you who are Christ followers, who don't know what your spiritual gift is, I call you to find out what it is and start using it to the glory of God. And for those of you who are not Christ followers, I call you today to not reject the gifts that are being offered you. You are being offered the gift of complete forgiveness. You are being offered the gift of being made right with God, completely right with God. You are being offered the gift of salvation from hell and salvation for heaven. You are being offered the gift, if you will cross the line of faith and believe and follow Jesus, 
of the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you and giving you a spiritual gift so that you can serve in the kingdom of God. Don't reject his gifts. Now, if you would, please, everybody take out your connection card and the packet that you received and turn it to the back. There are many different next steps there. There's three that I just want to point out. The first is, is I will take the place assessment. The place assessment is a way for you to find out what your spiritual gifts are. The place assessment is where you can take this test kind of thing online, or there's paper copies down the hallway on the counter. You can take it online, and you can find out what your personality is like and where your spiritual gifts are like and how they align to find the place where you are to serve. It's an amazing tool. You could find how to do it. There's, there's sheets on the back tables and sheets on the counter down the hallway to tell you how to do it online. If you're willing to take that step, mark that box. The next is, I have a spiritual gift, and I will use it. If you're willing to make that commitment, check that box. And then lastly, today I became a Christ follower for the first time. If you make that commitment today, mark that box, and I, I tell you that what we're going to do is, is we're going to give you a call, and we're going to say, we want to come alongside of you and help you with the next step in your relationship with Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who came to serve and not be served. And that you call us to learn how to serve one another. I pray, Almighty God, that you would encourage us, that you would open up our eyes to be able to see where those who are hurting, who are in needs, whatever, whoever they need to be served, that you open our eyes to see them so that we can serve them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will empower us to do so. I pray, Lord, that during this next song, that if there are any who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, that they will commit to him today. They will commit to you in Jesus' name. And I pray this in the confidence and in the glory that you listen to prayers and you answer them. Amen.